everybody, and welcome back to Big Nerdy Questions, or welcome for the first time. If this is your first Big Nerdy Questions, you picked the right one, because this is the episode. This is episode 50, our first milestone. We did it! Yeah! There was much rejoicing. And we decided when we first started this podcast that every milestone episode would cover a fundamental question for nerd life. And since I happen to be the proprietor of Big Nerdy Questions and Trek is my first nerd love, I had to go with the fundamental question of nerd life for Trekkers. The question that stumped Weird Al Yankovic in the song White and Nerdy. The only question he ever thought was hard was did he like Kirk or did he like Picard? Yes, friends, it is Kirk versus Picard, the all-out brawl of the Federation, the enterprising men who will win. On this episode, we have almost the entire crew of Big Nerdy Questions. Let me introduce them for you. Uh, first, we have JP. Welcome back, JP. Hey, man, I'm just glad to have made it this far with you. <laughs> uh, we have Ed. Welcome, Ed. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. We have special guest, my sister, Sarah. Hi, happy to be here, too. We have the original two founding members of Big Nerdy Questions with me. We have Colleen. Yes, I am boldly going where no Star Wars fan has gone before. (laughs) And we have my intrepid co-host and partner in Killing the Gungans. We have Matt. I I just want to know when you guys started calling yourselves Trekkers, because last time I checked, it was Trekkies. It's it's the hipster version of Trekkie. I think Trekkers is uh, commonly accepted as like the next gen and up. Trekkies are like... The original series. So people young enough for me to yell, get off my lawn in their general direction then? Pretty much. So pulling a William Shatner. So anyway, uh, we have two... We have two special guests with us in-house tonight. First, you know him as the proprietor of Dragon Fruit, the dating app made by geeks for geeks. He joined us before telling us relationship lessons from Star Wars, and now he's here to tell us who's more compatible with being a captain... Ori, welcome back to Big Nerdy Questions. Thank you very much for having me. Genuinely flattered for this milestone. Really, thank you very much. Of course, we'd love to have you back. And welcome back the man who wrote the Outbreak novel of the year, Outbreak Mutiny, uh, from the novel comics, Jay Sandlin. Welcome back to Big Nerdy Questions. Hey, glad to be back. Thank you. And we will also have a special appearance via uh, hailing frequencies from our friends at the Replicated Hat podcast later tonight. Uh, I also want to shout out to our members who aren't here, Rachel, uh, and to Callie. And I also want to shout out to uh, Rick uh, from Starbase 66. Uh, he could not be here because of Hurricane Irma. Our thoughts are with you, my friend. And now it's time we need that weather net from Star Trek. Yeah, no kidding. Without any further ado, Matt, who is our sponsor, aside from Dragon Fruit? For this amazing 50th episode. Well, Josh, truly appropriate to the theme, tonight's episode could only be brought to us by Gene Roddenberry. Very nice. Gene Roddenberry. Let's face it, he's the reason we're here. Yeah, and he is one of the four men on the Mount Rushmore of television, as JP uh, led us through that discussion earlier this season. So I would think that Roddenberry is a, a good pick. JP, since you're a TV guy, what are your quick thoughts on Roddenberry? 
Uh, Roddenberry is one of the greatest sci-fi minds that ever existed, and I don't know what more I can add that we haven't already said. Good point. Uh, so thank you, Gene Roddenberry. As as his host's privilege, I'm going to make the big nerdy recommendation for the 50th episode, and I'm going to recommend the very first podcast I ever listened to uh, that got me into thinking about podcasting. It's from the Simply Syndicated Federation of Podcasts, and it's called Make It So, a Star Trek podcast. Richard Smith, along with uh, some various co-hosts over the years, took us through various Trek topics. Some of them were uh, quite interesting and enlightening. Others were just flat-out hilarious. Uh, If you ever listen to the show, you know that some of their jokes stand a test of time, like the poor bastard who has to clean up after Riker in the holodeck which I have referenced on this show before. Uh, Dave down in the brig, who is the most bored officer on the Enterprise D. Uh, (laughs) They are an awesome bunch of guys over there. Make It So is mostly defunct these days. There's a new one every now and then. Uh, But Make It So was uh, led to Starbase 66 with Rick, and in a way that led to uh, me doing Big Nerdy Questions with all you guys. So I thought it only appropriate that since we're doing a milestone, I wanted to shout out to the to the uh, podcast that got me into podcasting really as my first podcast over 10 years ago, Make It So. So, uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the discussion, I do want to let our special guests give a quick plug uh, to their amazing works. We talked about it a little more on their special episodes, but Ori, uh, tell us uh, briefly, remind us why Dragon Fruit is so awesome. Ah, uh, wow. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dragon Fruit is, um, as you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, uh, the dating app for Geeks by Geeks. It is awesome because geeks are awesome, and that is the very short of it. Uh, We do some clever things, but really, essentially, if you want to make new friends or if you want to find somebody to date and hang out with, share your nerdy stuff with, Dragon Fruit is the place to be, and it is absolutely free. But I want to talk about Star Trek, so let's, let's get this moving. Awesome. And uh, Jay, I've got another book. Um, you can check out my children's book on Amazon. It's uh, Little Wolfie of River Hill School. Uh, you know, what happens when the son of the big bad wolf comes to a new school? Will he make new friends or will he blow the place down? Uh, you can find out and all your purchases go towards my child's uh, elementary school. It's a fundraiser item for the school. The artwork was done by the students. So Having fun with that, and um, you can mostly find me on my new podcast, uh, Hashtag Who Would Win, where uh, me and fellow author James Gavsey debate uh, various fictional matchups. So uh, very relevant for today. Absolutely. So thank you, Jay. And now it is time to get into the meat and potatoes of the discussion. Of course, they were replicated. Can I groan? (laughs) I believe that would be appropriate at this juncture, yes. Okay, yes. excellent. Uh... <laughs> yes, it, I mean, it had to be a pun to start it off, right? Uh, so, we're going to break this down into two major sections. Uh, the first section, we're going to talk about personality and character of the two men, uh, so who they are as people. And then in the second section, we're going to talk about who they are as captains. Of course, those two things go together, but we wanted to have some sort of structure on this show. Uh, you know, we... If not, we would just be a giant zoo, and that's fun for some, but not for us. At, at least, it'd be hard for me to edit if it was a giant zoo. Uh, so, uh, in this first section, we're going to talk mostly about character traits, and I, I want to throw it first in my discussion to the other man who's been on the Truck Podcast with me. I want to start it off with JP. Uh, when you think of Kirk and Picard 
and they're defining traits that make them differ, what do you go to first? What do I go to first? Like when you think of the what makes Kirk and Picard different as men, what the character traits? I think the the first big difference that stands out is oh man, that's a good question, Josh. <laughs> That's why I'm asking the questions. If yeah. I may interject just really quickly. Please. What just comes to my mind is like that song from Katy Perry, You're Hot Then You're Cold, You're Nasty Then You're No, like they're total yeah. opposite. The, exactly. They, they are too different for there to be any one thing that, that distinguishes them. The, you know, Kirk, Picard is much older than Kirk in, in most of the, the series runs. Um <clears throat> Picard has a very uh, by the rules type command style, whereas whereas uh, Kirk is much more of an outside the box thinker. They they are pretty much complete and total opposites in every possible way, and I think that's why there's always such an ongoing debate on which one is better. I think that's a good segue to Ori. You deal with compatibility. Would you consider the two, these two men polar opposites? Uh, in a lot of ways, um, but I, I think that they had enough character development, each of them, that, um, you know, they always seem to rise to the occasion. Um, they fit whatever the circumstances require. So, you know, if you, if you, the, the, the way that I look at it is that, you know, Kirk is a, is a doer and Picard is a thinker, and that's a nice, easy way to, um, to separate the two, but you can't say that Picard never did. You can't say that Kirk never thought. Um, so polar opposites, I wouldn't think so. And I think that there are certain qualities and certain um, uh, diversity of abilities that uh, that qualifies you as a Starship captain to begin with. I mean, Starfleet doesn't just make anybody captain. Or else we'd have Captain Harry Mudd. <laughs> and, and, well we might in the new series uh, rain wilson could be a good captain but we'll see that in a minute uh so, uh ed i, I want to bring you in here because uh, you know you've talked a lot about character development and that's how that's really important to you in a lot of things and ori mentioned that so what do you think about uh, you you first met kirk through the reboots uh so specifically talking with kirk what do you think about his development as a flyboy to starship captain just within context of the reboots, or are you talking about overall? Either one. Either one. Um, well, I- I'll say this. Um, it seems like the Kirk in the new films actually had a little bit of a character arc, whereas, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the Kirk within the context of the uh, you know original series didn't have so much of one. With The only exception coming to my mind is, uh, didn't he have to become more understanding or sympathetic towards the Klingons in the undiscovered country? In the films, yeah. I think that Kirk had a character development in the films. I think in the series, he may have had moments in in episode to episode, but I wouldn't necessarily say that his behavior changed all that much week to week. But that wasn't the nature of the show of television back then. I don't think episodic. You know, it's the you end up at the same place you you started at almost in those kind of shows. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that he had a tremendous amount of character development in that, but I do see a minor character arc within the context of just the movies. Yeah, I would agree with that. And in, in the in the reboot movies from Abrams, Kirk does definitely the Kirk in Star Trek Beyond is definitely not the same character in the two thousand nine movie. 
they've definitely developed him. Uh, and I, I think he, what he is in Beyond is closest to what we've gotten so far to what he was in the original series with a little bit less emphasis on finding the green women. You know, I don't know if I... I don't... Well, he did have a green woman moment in the first film, but that was it. Exactly, but not in the third one, if if that means anything. And let me ask you this. I know you've kind of talked at length uh, of what you've thought about the movies as a whole. What do you think of Pine as Kirk in general? I don't have a problem with it. I think that he's actually a pretty good depiction of that role, especially as it was written in the modern context. And let me make clear again... I don't think they're bad films. I just think they're not Trek. I think they're Star Wars with a Star Trek skin. Uh, Star Trek Beyond is the least offending of the three in that sense because it is dealing with a new culture. And I did like that very much. And we shall see with the fourth one and with Star Trek Discovery if the franchise is steering back toward more of its uh, roots. Uh, But again, they're not bad films. And the way they wrote Kirk, I think that Chris Pine was a good choice. I think I read something where Chris Pratt also auditioned for the role. Uh, oh, and, weird. And, and uh, it's kind of hard to imagine if he would have gotten that because obviously I don't think he could have been in that franchise and Jurassic World and Guardians of the Galaxy. So that would have changed some things a little bit. But it's interesting to think about what he could have done in that role. But I think Chris Pine is the right fit. Yeah, I totally agree with that characterization uh, for the, the reboot films. I think Chris Pine does a really great job of being Kirk. And I'll be first to admit that I'm not the biggest fan of Kirk. And um, and so I have to give some props to uh, Pine, too, because I, I hated him. Like, I think he was like he was a uh, like douchebaggy kind of former Kirk in the movie. But at the same time, like I can still respect him. So I think he, he played uh, he played that part well. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Uh, and I want to turn it now to, to Jay. Uh, we just talked about Kirk's character development. I'm listening, and what I want to throw in, since yeah. I'm only hearing about different differences between the two, um, how are they similar? And I would bring up a few key points. They are very similar in that both Kirk and Picard are captains who will take risks. Yes. Um, yes. I, I would point to Star Trek Generations when uh, Kirk said to, uh, I, I can't remember the character's name, but he's Ferris Bueller's best friend, Cameron, who becomes a captain in Starfleet. Yes. Uh, yeah. And he, he says risk is a part of sitting in the chair. Um, and then Picard kind of says the same thing in the uh, uh, episode, A Matter of Time, when he's meeting with the uh, con man from the supposed future. Yeah. So uh, they, they're both willing to take risks, and they're also both willing to break the rules uh, namely the Prime Directive. I don't know who has more violations of the Prime Directive. <laughs> but, uh, Picard and Kirk are both pretty close. Namely, uh, the, the most notable would be you know, who watches the Watchers with Picard. Mm. Also, Insurrection, but Insurrection's a weird case. Yeah, yeah, because it turned out they technically weren't. They weren't. No, they weren't. No, but uh, they weren't. if he watches the Watchers with the Proto-Vulcans, he was totally Picard now was willing to break the prime directive when he thought it was for the right reason. He obeyed, he disobeyed the letter of the law for what he thought was the spirit. Yeah. So, so yeah. are we pitting them against a... each other or are, what are there? Are we talking about weaknesses against each other? And just like, um, I, I think the, the replicated hat, one of the things they talked about was like, uh, drink a beer ability with, uh, so they're, demeanor... well, if you're going to drink a beer with somebody, it's gotta be Kirk. Probably. If you're going to a wine tasting, it's got to be hard. <laughs> and, if going, and, if you're going, 
There, there, is, a man, I, there, there is a man that I would like to have a cup of tea with. And, and if you're going for <laughs> if you're going for coffee, you go with Janeway. Well, well, here's mm. the thing. If you go for a pint with Picard, there is a middling to fair chance that freaking Gandalf shows up. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. You 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 have potential to cross the streams. And, that... and don't cross the streams. But I think that both of these men would cross the streams, and I think Kirk has done it literally in several scenes. Um, but we won't go there on this episode. <laughs> I, I want to bring in uh, Sarah for a minute. Uh, you uh, watched more Next Generation. Uh, so when you think of Picard as a guy, what are your defining traits you think of Picard? I think of him as pretty impulsive, really. Um I mean, I know he does think, but I think what other people have said before me are things I would agree with. I think he's more of a man of action. I think of Picard as more of someone who thinks things out and tries to negotiate with words more than action. And I think of Kirk as someone who is more willing to kind of dive right into things and maybe think about it, but not as much as Picard would. Yeah, I mean, when I think of Picard, I do think of strategy, absolutely. Um, It's... And I think it, one of the def- telling things well, that differs them, and this also goes with how they wrote the show, Kirk always is on the away team in the middle of the action. Picard is very rarely on the away team. Uh, and because Riker is more of the Kirk kind of character. Uh, I think so, that was because Starfleet instituted a rule that you could not take a captain on the away team. Am yes. I wrong well, on that? Well, thank God. Exactly. It's it's a right idea, yeah. Reason for that rule, if I'm not mistaken. But, <laughs> um, I'm sure that Kirk was a reason for a lot of rules. Well, and that was actually... There is a, Picard would often aside. break that rule by putting himself in the danger. Uh, first contact being the best example I can Absolutely. think of. Absolutely. Uh, he is a very hands-on captain, but when it comes to overall leadership style, I see him as more of a team-based leader, whereas mm-hmm. Kirk I see as more of an individualistic leader. Yeah, um, I Picard agree. would have the advantage because he would utilize the resources of his senior staff and listen to them more than Kirk would, in my opinion. I agree, uh, and I think we're starting to talk about uh, command style. So unless we have any uh, other uh, ideas on just strictly personality, I'm going to uh, send it to the replicated hat with their thoughts. I, I had a, one last thing. <laughs> okay, sorry. Let, let me go in order. Colleen first. I just wanted to point out that in my notes for personality, the very first thing I had for Kirk, I wrote in all caps and surrounded it, underlined and put arrows with a bunch of exclamation points around the word ego. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with that. You <laughs> You mean Star Lord's Daddy Planet? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let me put it this way: uh, B and Q fans will know that one of our favorite things to do is, is figure out who's worthy for Thor's hammer, and I've never actually <laughs> ch- chosen one. I would say Kirk is more than Picard, and here's the reason why: we determined Picard. We did. Here's the reason why: we determined Picard didn't want it because he wouldn't feel himself worthy for it. Uh, because he's a pretty humble guy. Kirk has no humility at all. Uh, and he's a proven leader. So, in that context alone... That Are we says... saying that worthiness is just being a jackass? That's part of it. <laughs> no, 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 that's part of it. an actual no, set of criteria. Yeah, and one of the pieces is that you have to believe that you're, wor- you're worthy, therefore you can't be humble, which I'm like, that doesn't make sense if you're going to wield like this giant 
mighty hammer, shouldn't you be at least humble or at least somewhat responsible instead of giving it to people who are like, I've got power, you know? Have you ever read a Thor comic? <laughs> well, I understand that. He's I'm not saying the that without the SUVs. <laughs> it's not. I'm not it's, saying it makes any sense. I'm just, it's just, ah, anyway. <laughs> It's not a matter of ego as to seeing yourself worthy. You you can you can you can feel worthy, but still have humility. It's 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 uh it's more like feeling ready to lift the hammer, not not mm. not being a big head about it. Kirk would also think that lifting a hammer would be euphemistic. Yeah, <laughs> God. yeah fair enough. Yeah. If we're summing up personalities, I was going to say Kirk is the soldier and Picard is the diplomat. Yeah, that's a good. That's a very good Myers-Briggs way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'd like to point out some just really quickly some similarities, additional similarities between the two. Um, they're both uh, capable of making uh, you know, quick decisions, acting on that decision, and then having to readjust if necessary. Um, but they also, um, I think both of them highly value their crew, even sometimes over the mission. Uh... So... I, I think so. Like, well, with uh, especially when I'm thinking about um, Kirk, and this goes back to like the idea about maybe is he humble, is he not, or whatever. I think he he does like, and when he if he perceives himself as as like failing or people uh, you know getting maybe hurt unnecessarily because of decisions that he's made, he does feel guilt over that. Um, so anyway, so there's like the less douchebaggy aspect of Kirk. But that's all you're gonna get from me on him. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag less douchebaggery. Mm. <laughs> I think Kirk kind of matured into that though, because there was a huge period in between. I mean, you say a sense of responsibility, and I, I definitely remember that episode. I think it was like episode three in the first season or something, where one of his crewmen becomes some kind of god. And oh, you know yeah. they need to they, mm -hmm. they need to abandon him on the planet because he's too powerful and he turns evil and they it's throw. It's where no man has gone before. It's actually the uh, the second pilot. It there was you Kirk's go. Okay. Pilot. Yeah, but it was it was aired number three, but it was Kirk's first episode filmed. Okay, well he had the, to deal with a god in the very then. first episode. Jeez. Very first episode, and the other other than the styrofoam rocks, the thing that stands out. Um, to me from that episode was that he took the time to actually have emotions and um you know the guy was his friend and he tried to talk him down and there was a clear inner conflict uh where you know he he felt that he felt the responsibility and then there was three seasons of none of that and i think and, and you know when when kirk entered his 50s and we were in the movie territory after the um, the motion picture and beyond, um, we got a much more mature version of him. So I think he grew into that character, but it definitely wasn't what, um, you know, not, not as a captain. That was, you know, when he was an admiral and beyond. I will say in the movies, in Star Trek, the motion picture, uh, I think that V'ger has the most character development of anybody <laughs> <laughs> didn't kirk in one of the movies he did something stupid and then he got demoted from being an admiral to something else yes so short long story short it's basically two three and four together in 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 the third film he steals he steals the enterprise from space dock to go rescue kirk who's been resurrected on the, or spock who's been resurrected on the genesis planet 
Uh, so, yes, he... And then, while at the Genesis planet, he self-destructs the Enterprise. However, he saves Spock, and then he saves Earth with the freaking humpback whales. So he's demoted from Admiral to Captain, but they give him the Enterprise B, the Aristocats. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, I would like to point out that the, the technical, or the correct nautical term would be commandeered the Enterprise. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> they were space pirates, literally. <laughs> yeah. Secondly, they gave him the ship he just blew up. Played by Bill Shatner. Uh, anyway. So uh, what was that we were just saying about Kirk learning responsibility? <laughs> well, he, he put his crew over his, uh, his mission. Uh, Ed, I, I know you have something else you want to mention. Uh, just based on personality, uh, you know, Kirk historically is very... Uh, his emotions right on the surface and he's very uh you know when he gets angry it's split second and he's he's always a man of action you would say and so many times through the movies and the uh t the original tv show from what i've seen he's real quick to get angry i think that contrasts so heavily with picard because he's such a peaceful and uh as was said earlier diplomatic man so when picard gets angry it's so much more effective to me just storytelling wise when a mm. peace when a peaceful man gets angry as opposed to Kirk who gets angry quite often. Well, there's that old adage that if a, a person is yelling all the time, you can know they're upset, but you know they're truly angry when they're silent. Yes. Mm. Uh, I'm going to so... drop in a Doctor Who reference and say the demons run when a good man goes to war. Yes. Yes. Well done. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, hat tip to the Star Trek Doctor Who crossover comics uh, <laughs> where we had actually saw that happening. Uh, so before we get into the command style and specific exploits of the two... I had one last thing. Sorry, please, one last thing. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> one last thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, I wouldn't forgive myself if I couldn't, if I didn't get this out. Um, you know, apparently I'm sitting here as like a relationship expert. I think that's laughable, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it is, it is my, it is my professional assessment that these two men would not get along. I, I agree. I think if they ever had to work together, they would tolerate one another, but they would probably want to like throttle each other. That's what we saw in Generations. They kind of just tolerated each other. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think we got enough uh, real screen time to see that one play out. I mean, if they had a drink on ten forward, there would it, it would not be good. No, no. Kirk would try to date Guinan. I yeah. think it would turn into you... a Star Trek version of Avengers: Civil War. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk Wait, get, would take sides. Kirk would, uh, Kirk would go to ten forward, get drunk on synth halls, and start asking Guinan to do a fan dance. <laughs> so so the the equivalent of bringing in spider-man would be a, a temporal shift and getting archer involved somehow yeah probably about captain archer or yeah like, archer the secret agent well that would that would be funnier but captain I, archer I was where i was going with, i would rather have a beer with sterling archer personally yeah. i think kirk would bring to paul and hoshi forward who are we kidding yeah <laughs> That's right. I mean, let's just mirror Hoshi specifically, but to be fair. Uh, so anything else on personality? Just like Picard's head, we're empty. Uh, so we, uh, we are now going to uh, transition to the replicated hat. Uh, our friends over there, Dr. Leah Brahms and Com Commander Nuno, uh, sent us an amazing audio clip. So guys in replicated hat, uh, here you go. Take it away. 
Hey! This is Dr. Bronson Nuno from The Replicated Hat, and we've been asked a very serious, serious uh. question. Kirk or Picard? Yes. So we thought we'd go from the bottom up. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fine points in each of these captains. We can't really just choose all willy-nilly, because that would be irresponsible. Yeah, like Kirk, he would probably throw a dart yeah. at the wall. So... So the irresponsibility goes to Kirk. Irresponsibility <laughs> right. point to Kirk. That's one for Kirk. Okay, let's go from the bottom up, though. Okay. Boots. Okay. Kirk. Yeah. They're, they're cool. They are cool. They're almost swashbuckly. Totally. Mm-hmm. Pants? I'm going to say Picard. I think Kirk because they're a little short and sometimes they're like stuck into the boots. See, I, I like the boot cut of Picard. Okay. Yeah. How about... Jacket. Oh, God. That's Picard. We all know Picard. Yeah, it's it's Picard. Uh, Hair. Depends. Hair piece or just hair in general? Um, Top of head. Whether there would be something on it or not. Because I think hair, Kirk wins. I don't know. Picard has some epic chest hair going on. Mm, Yes. I'm going to say Picard because Mm. he did that with style and people said he couldn't do it and he did it. Yes. But I'm going to give hair piece to to Kirk. Okay. <laughs> because Picard left his in Paris. Yes, he did. Command style. Oh, well, let's see. Well, that's... Hmm. Do... Like, if it were me, would I want a captain that would more than likely karate chop me or play me a melodic flute? Yeah. The flute, definitely. Yeah, that's yeah, Picard. Yeah, me too. Picard. Picard. I'd like to have a beer with him ability. I tried to make that into a thing. I th- I th- Who would you rather have a beer with? You know, I think the easy answer is Kirk. Yeah, I think Kirk. the better answer is Picard because those are where the philosophical beer questions come from. You know, after you're about four beers deep. I'm going to say Picard. And who do you admire more? Picard. Picard wins with me too. Best portrayal of uh, Professor Xavier. <laughs> Picard wins that one. All right. So I guess we're both in agreement. The winner is <laughs> Captain Picard. Cisco. <laughs> Picard. Thank you guys so much for that uh, hilarious clip that you've sent us uh, through your hailing frequencies. We much appreciate it. Nice music in the background as well. Uh, as you heard, they critique the men based on hairstyle, costume, uh, <laughs> the card jacket wins. Uh, and of course, their <laughs> final pick uh, was Cisco. But if they can't pick Cisco, they picked Picard. So we have our first vote. We'll be voting later on in the program. Our first vote goes to Jean-Luc. Uh, so now we're going to talk specifically about Kirk and Picard as captains. Uh, Matt, you are my expert in military strategy. Uh, so I want to start with you in this one. What do you see as their distinct command style between the two? Well, I uh, I believe it was Jay who actually may have uh, beaten me to the punch on it in that uh, Picard is very much a diplomatic captain and Kirk is very much a warrior captain. So e- each of them really has their role in warfare. If, if you have... If, if, I'm a commander-in-chief, and two of my most senior military leaders are Jean-Luc Picard and James Tiberius Kirk, and a new alien race appears. If they show up with an invasion fleet, I'm sending Kirk's ass up there. Because if if you want to make friends with somebody, if you want a peaceful resolution, 
you want Picard. So can I make a if World you War want II... them all dead, you send Kirk. So can I make a World War II analogy for a minute? In my, from what I'm gathering here, Picard is to General Marshall as Kirk is to General Patton. Because like, Patton pretty much just used his men as cannon fodder. Well, hasn't Kirk sent a few red shirts to their graves before, too? <laughs> I, I would say... I, I would say Picard is more of a MacArthur type. Yeah, I would go with that. Okay. I mean, I love Patton, but he just didn't really... He cared more about the objective, about the mission, than he did about his men. And Kirk is the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Kirk cares more about his, uh, more about people than the mission. So you were saying Kirk is MacArthur or Picard is MacArthur? Picard would be MacArthur because uh, I'm especially thinking about when he was Supreme Commander Allied Pacific, and he actually worked on the restructuring of the Japanese government during the occupation following World War II. Because it's not like I've written a few hundred pages on that or anything, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, he very much, uh, Picard very much reminds me of uh, Douglas MacArthur. And as, as far as what general would best fit Kirk, I would say it would be Hannibal. Uh, did I, okay. Kirk did I, I can see Kirk, Kirk taking elephants over mountains. I can see him doing it. <laughs> yeah, this is just crazy enough to work. Let's do it. Well, he did go back into the past just to save the whales. Remember that. Yes. That's right. Well, Picard so went back into the past a... just to save data. He did. Well, I think they yeah. all did it just so that they could go back to the future. And in fact, I think in DS9 and Voyager, they mentioned that the temporal uh, prime directive was is called like the Kirk rule because he messed up time so often. Exactly. I was going to uh, have to disagree with the idea of choosing Picard, uh, Kirk over Picard for an invasion. Uh, just because of practical experience, we've seen Picard handle them. Picard's handled the Borg invasion twice. He took on the Dominion. Uh, he was there for the Klingon Civil War, the Cardassians. I, I think he had a much more tumultuous time than Kirk. He has had a lot more military incursions to deal That's with. That's not to say that Kirk would necessarily do worse, just that Picard's kind of a proven entity in that uh, arena. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's a, there's a fairly fundamental difference here because Picard fits into a military structure or, you know, paramilitary structure a lot more than Kirk does. Kirk is primarily an explorer. He goes, you know, where, where, where no one has gone before and that's his stated mission, whereas um, Picard is taking and following orders a lot and... Um, and, and sort of works within a larger structure and deals with bigger things, with, you know, with, with what every other part. So he is a military commander. He is somebody who has that kind of training, whereas uh, Kirk has an entirely different brief. I could, I could agree with that. And I think it's, it's weirdly ironic that we think of Kirk as the more militaristic captain, but you're right. His mission was always just to find the mission that starts out the show. Find new worlds, explore new, or find new civilizations, and boldly go where no man or no one has gone before. Whereas Captain Picard's missions are usually much more clear cut. So maybe like with Picard is like he's out there to try to prevent another war from happening, whereas Kirk was like, yeah, f 
Let's see what I... I've got my stick. This is an anthill. Let's see what happens. Which he did do in Arena when he beat the Gorn. So let's actually... What is their most badass moment? In my head, for Kirk, it's either Arena or Wrath of Khan. For Picard, it's either when he goes diehard uh, in uh, Starship Mine or First Contact. Uh, but what do you guys think of when you think of the most badass moment of these captains? And I'll start with uh, Jay. You took both of mine. I was thinking exactly <laughs> the same thing. Um, but I'll add in uh, probably in the Sins of the Father storyline when the Klingons are kind of trying to bully him, bully him. And they mention, you know, that he's old and he's weak. And he just looks a Klingon warrior in the eye and says, you know, you may test that theory at your leisure. You know, so it's all like, you know, he's still got his personality. He's got his diplomatic behavior, but he's showing he's got a backbone as well. Um, also, he took a knife in the back from a Nausicaan. That's got to count for something. Ah, that was my ace in the hole. Ah. <laughs> oh, that was sorry, my secret Ori. weapon. It was well, the Nausicaan you, uh, story. Ori, go ahead and expand a little bit on the Nausicaan story, if you will. Well, I mean, it's just, it, it it's one of those moments where we are reminded that uh, Picard is a fairly complex character who has had a real past and a real sort of developed story way before we meet him that, you know, when he was in Starfleet, when he was a cadet, he went into a bar, got into a bar fight with a guy with an alien twice his size and was stabbed through the chest with a giant sword. I mean, that's that that is Kirk all over, and that's that that's why I think that that generally, you know, my my preference personally is Picard. I guess we're jumping to the end, um, yeah. because like there the, there are so many layers to this guy, and he has experienced it all and lived through it all and developed into um, into what he is, and that was the product of thinking and learning, and yeah, I don't I don't know. It's, it's occasionally mentioned throughout the series that he has an artificial heart. He has a, he, the, the guy is a freaking cyborg. And, and, and he has that heart because he got into a bar fight as, a, as, as basically as a teenager. And, and, and I don't, I, I really think that that stands, that stands up in, in terms of badassery. But I have to say, even with an artificial heart, Picard too could find love on dragon fruit. <laughs> I'm just saying, he could. He could. Uh, Matt, when you think of badass moments, where do you go? I mean, there's the ever-classic... I can't remember what species the alien was that uh, Kirk had the fight on the rocks with, and he just, like, karate chops him in the neck. The Gorn, yes. That was the Gorn fight? Yes. I I mean, that's, like, the the iconic Star Trek. The giant reptile, yeah. Kirk, shirtless, makes gunpowder out of the elements, and uh, smart, very smart, and then he blows him up, and then a god comes in and it's like, no, stop fighting, you little creatures. <laughs> yeah, but I have to give up the biggest, most badass moment between those two captains actually to Picard, because when he, re- when he actually resisted assimilation, who, besides Picard, has come back from being assimilated by the freaking board. That's mm-hmm. they're on a very small handful in Voyager, but Picard was the first, and he was able, while assimilated, to fight it off enough to give Data the code word "sleep." Oh yeah. So you know, well done, 
John Luke. You're right. I don't even think anyone in Voyager did that. There was always uh, an angle as to how they were able to resist the collective. Yeah, the the sheer mental toughness and the incredible willpower required to resist the assimilation, which most people, even most members of Starfleet, would probably think, well, the Borg are assimilating me, I may as well surrender, because it's impossible. Picard's like, nah, I'm going to take down their whole species. Uh, following, actually, up on what um, Matt just said, um, I was going to say that the part uh, for Picard when he was being tortured by the Cardassian, when he goes, there are four lights. Yes. That was that was mine, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, JP and Colleen, I'm sorry I missed you guys on that one. So if you if you want to expand on, on badass moments, please do. Sure. And then, so for Kirk... I thought it was real the moment when, you know, he goes up to, what was it, Spock's evil half-brother person who was pretending to be God, and he was like, hey, I have a question. What does God need with a spaceship? Yeah. <laughs> that is a good Because one. only Kirk would go up to a Supreme Being, or supposed Supreme Being, and be like, I'm going to f*** with you. <laughs> <laughs> As a reminder, Kirk actually did encounter an actual true God. He met Apollo at one point. Yes, God. he did. It he was also... a goofy show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no kidding. I mean, Spock's brain was removed and put back in again. Science could never do that. Oh, wait. JP, I'm sorry. And Ed, I'll get to you right after J- uh, JP. Sorry, you guys. So many people tonight. Obviously, I'm not a great manager like these two. <laughs> uh, okay, man. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah so uh, it's very easy for me. I think the most badass Captain Kirk moment is the, the Gorn fight. <laughs> Um, but I, and, and I completely agree with Colleen that I, I think the, the biggest moment of Picard badassery comes from the very hard to watch, but Whoa. in a good way, episode of Chain of Command Part 2, where he goes through everything he went through in that torture room and still refused to admit that there were five lights. Which, as we said when we recorded the best two-parters of Next Gen, he, uh, Patrick Stewart consulted with Amnesty International to make sure the torture scenes were accurate. Yes, uh, and, and of course that was my choice for the best two-parter of this whole series. Mine too. It's well, I think I picked all good things as the overall, but if we're going with strictly two-parters, yeah, Chain of Command was was something else. Uh, best of both worlds gets all the hype, but Chain of Command shows just how amazing of a character Picard is, and how amazing of an actor Patrick Stewart is. He should have won an Emmy for Chain of Command. Just my personal opinion. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Ed, when you think of badass moments, where do you go? Well, uh, I'll start with Kirk. I mean, and like I said, my exposures have been relatively limited. Uh, so I would say that pretty much the entire Wrath of Khan film, I thought yeah. Kirk was a badass. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if we want to go New Trek, uh, the, the, the films, and I know it, it, it kind of diminishes what happened. And, you know, I know it's already been done before. But when he sacrificed himself, kind of like Spock did, I thought that was also a pretty badass moment as well. But as far as Picard is gone, uh, you've you've been over it, and I've mentioned it several times since we've recorded. Not to be redundant, but first contact, drawing the line, was my favorite badass Picard moment ever. The line must be drawn here, no further. Yes. Smash. Uh, he. I, I mean, it. it granted. It's a Captain Ahab moment, but it is badass. I didn't say it was overly rational. I just said it was badass. Oh yeah, it definitely <laughs> was not was not him at his best, but it is 
probably the greatest quote from any of the uh, Next Generation films, for sure. Uh, and I think that First Contact might actually be my favorite Trek film out of all the ones I've seen. That's not a bad opinion. I think JP and I ranked it second. I I, I said it was I, I said it was my favorite and yeah. put Wrath of Khan at number two. Yeah, I mean I go back and forth. I like Star Trek Saves the Whales because it's just so damn funny. Yeah. It is funny. <laughs> I like that one too. Absolutely. It, that was my number three, by the way, Colleen. <laughs> there are your nuclear vessels. 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 There are the nuclear vessels. Vessels. Yeah, I, I, it's Boy, been Russian running around in the middle of Cold War America asking for nuclear weapons. <laughs> I love it. it you know, I, I, going back again to, to New Trek, it is so sad that Anton Yelchin passed away because I thought he did a phenomenal job in those films. Uh, I am really sad that he's gone. I think he was great for that character, and I'm sad we won't have Chekhov anymore. Uh, so a tip of the hat, a tip of the glass of vodka. At least, at least they've said they're not going to try to recast him. I think that would have just been in bad taste. Yeah, they've done the same thing the Simpsons did with Edna Krabappel, which is probably the right choice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so I did want to uh, now end this command section with looking at who did the most. And uh, Sarah didn't get a chance to do the, the badass moments. So with your experience with Picard, what when you think of Picard's biggest successes, like who he's defeated and how... What do you think of? Well, that's kind of a hard question. I think a lot of it kind of ties into the last question in, in some aspects. I mean, really, the first enemy I think of when I think of Picard is the Borg. Um, I've always really admired those episodes and how he dealt with the Borg invasion. I thought that was really cool. Um, I'm not sure if there's, like, one thing I can really think about about Kirk. Like, I've seen some episodes, but I don't know if there's any, like, defining traits I would pull out of that that I would consider, like... Defining wins? You, yeah. Yeah. So I'll open up to the floor. Uh, I, when you guys think of defining successes for these two men, uh, where do you go first? I, I guess I'll start with JP so that we'll have some order. Uh, JP, when you think of defining success, like this is this is this man's a hallmark success story, not necessarily badass, but what he did uh, to rule the day, or which villain was the hardest to defeat, where do you go? Well, again, this is a really tough one because of how different they are. But I would say when I look at the hallmark successes of Picard, two of them come to mind. His ability to overcome the Borg, of course. Mm -hmm. But then no one has talked about this yet. That poor man has to deal with Q for seven seasons. <laughs> yes, yes, I was going to bring up I try Q. not to think yep. about that. <laughs> he was my favorite in the whole show. Well, okay. <laughs> he was the, he's the greatest adversary. I'm not going to call him a villain, but he's definitely the greatest adversary that Picard ever had. Hands well, down. At, at least he didn't have to deal with the sexual advances of Q like Janeway did. <laughs> oh, yes. I would pay to see that, though. <laughs> don't worry there's slash fiction for that or, or or like like seven of nine had to deal with the advances of q's teenage son let's not forget that episode oh oh voyager you and your silly ways oh you know q would be fun to see like have a versus q versus um you know like dr strange i want to see q versus thanos q wins Ooh, that would be a good one too yeah the so, problem with putting X against Q is that it's Q. He's <laughs> basically God. I think you'd have to put him up against like Dr. Manhattan 
or the Spectre, well, maybe? I would say Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, with all the gems, could take him. Because yeah, then, you easily. know, he's literally God. But <laughs> Well, what about, like, Scarlet Witch when she's not completely nerfed? No. You don't I... think so? <laughs> she has... I, I don't want to go too much further in this, though, because I think Jay... We're taking your entire episodes from you down the road. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good stuff for uh, for hashtag Who Would Win. I hope you guys check out our uh, I, shameless plug. Our most recent episode is on now with uh, Ultron versus Cyborg. Um, some versions of Love Ultron it. could probably go with Q. But for the question on the table, I was going to agree with the Borg and just add uh, an amendment to that, that saving... Um, or stopping the Borg save the Alpha Quadrant, not just Earth. Yes. And I don't think Kirk has ever done anything more than just saving, you know, a planet at a time. Has he ever saved the Quadrants? Ah, just a planet. Well, I have to say, he saved the universe. There's one episode where there's one pilot who's matter and one is antimatter. And if he lets them into the same universe at the same time, the whole universe will implode on itself. So he has to get the two men to fight continuously in their own private hell with no end. So in that episode, he kind of did save everything, but he didn't really do it. It was the antimatter version of the pilot who was good. Right. You know, so there is there is that. But other than that, I would agree with that I, assessment. I think, I think I have another... Um... Like, when I think of Kirk's crowning success, though, though he did technically save the universe in that episode, I, I think the biggest the biggest crowning success when I look at uh, what what gives Kirk merit as the superior captain, I, I just look at, at how he handled the events of, of Star Trek 2, 3, and 4. That, that whole story, I think, is his crowning moment as a captain of the Enterprise. I would even extend it into Star Trek 6 as well, because he had the ability to overcome prejudice, he Certainly. also overcame incarceration, uh, and he ended up being in favor of a peace treaty that lasted through most of the next-gen timeline. That, that is an equally good argument. Say, for, for me, again, it's the Borg for, for Picard and for Kirk. It's got to be when he saves the whales. Save the whales, yeah. save the, well, there save we the go. future. Picard exactly. and uh, Ori. I don't want to uh, leave you out of this one. Ori, I know you have some stuff to say on this one. The measure of success is is got to be, you know, in terms of difficulty as well as impact. And I can't, I, I still don't quite understand uh, how Picard managed unification. Unification, that's that's what that's what stands out for me. I think that that was an incredible piece of uh of, of diplomacy and basically did the impossible. He brought the Romulans in from from being the perennial enemy of the Federation and he reunified them with the Vulcans. And I mean, yes, that was a Spock story, um, you know, a, a sort of partially Spock storyline, which was kind of weird in the middle of next, next Gen. But I mean, that is one hell of an achievement to even communicate with the Romulans in the first place, let alone actually achieve anything there. Yeah, absolutely. We've forgotten Picard's most uh, astounding accomplishment, that his reputation survived Nemesis. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just, uh... I, I need to chime in on this one for Picard and Kirk. You know, Kirk's biggest accomplishment, I think, maybe was Undiscovered Country. I agree with you, JP, that it's those three, two and three and four together. In the series... There's, you could argue there's a bunch, but actually the, the episode Ori mentioned earlier, Where No Man Has Gone Before, the ability of Kirk 
to recognize that he's going to have to defeat his best friend for the sake of both the Enterprise and the galaxy. And successfully defeating a demigod, which as Hades could tell you is very difficult to do. Uh, that was well done. And of course, defeating Khan is good, although you could argue that what he did in Space Seed allowed Khan to come back and do his visiting. So you can make a case either way. With Picard, I have to give an honorable mention to the fact that he was able to withstand the advances of Luaxana Troy. <laughs> really? Uh, for all those years. You, you, you would have just given it up, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, it, the, the patience that man had <laughs> with, with Miss Troy, uh, you know, from the house of Beta Zed. Right, right. I think what he's trying to say in so many words is that it's it's astounding that Loxana Troy survived the advances of Loxana Troy. Precisely, indeed. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Kirk or Sisko would have put up with any of that crap. Uh, <laughs> Archer may have. That's another story. Uh, oh. But I, I honestly think Picard's biggest accomplishment is figuring out the temporal anomaly in all good things. That is a good one. Forward in time, backward in time, his mind is a mess, the future self is suffering from the disease, and yet... Picard still thinks it out. And that's why I think, you know, Picard defeated the Borg. Yes, he defeated some Cardassians. He defeated the Ferengi. Well, anyone could do that. But honestly, when I think of Picard's quintessential victory, I think of all good things because it was a scientific and thoughtful solution. Picard expanded his mind. As Q said, for that one moment, you showed what humanity could truly become because the real exploration isn't in the stars. It's in the furthest reaches of existence yes and and that victory leads to my favorite picard moment at the very end of that episode which i can't say because my wife is within earshot <laughs> okay so i can say it would she hear it if i say it no so the moment when captain picard finally joins the poker game yes that's the one yeah it, it's honestly i'm biased of course <laughs> that is the best closing scene of any television series ever sure I, i've never really okay. thought about like the best series finale ever but if that i had like it's, it's an easy top five for me i mean i don't know if it's the best finale ever but i think it's the best closing shot i mean it starts at that poker table with picard it zooms out to see their beautiful enterprise d r.i.p i was hoping that the enterprise would just be part of q's snow globe at the end <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, Welcome maybe back to St. Elsewhere. Yeah. They just didn't yeah. zoom out far enough. Well, I was waiting for Bob Newhart to show up as another Q. But <laughs> another good point to all good things, he saved um, the beginnings of all human life, wasn't it? Yes, he did. Yeah. He did, yeah. The primordial goop, as Q put it. Yep. Which also is a great band name for a uh, science fiction tribute heavy metal band. <laughs> <laughs> now playing side stage at Lollapalooza, primordial goop. <laughs> <laughs> you probably could get a Gwyneth Paltrow sponsorship if you called it Goop. <laughs> Random cultural reference for the win. Uh, so I want to say Rick's pick because he couldn't send us a, a clip, but Rick and I have talked in detail on this. Rick grew up with the original series. And while he admires Picard, Rick is a heavy favorite of Kirk. Uh, I'm not going to put words in his mouth as to why, but I think he just believes that Kirk is the better character, better captain. Uh, so I do want to say that based on our two guests, remote guests, we have one vote for Picard and one for Kirk. I'm going to call you out in a, in a random order, and we're going to start adding up the votes. If there's a tie, I will break it. Uh, we'll see what happens. 
Uh, but I'm going to start with Sarah. Uh, you get the first pick. Kirk or Picard and why? Well, I'd pick Picard. And I know I've seen a lot more of Picard. I think this is also a bit of a generational thing. I mean, I guess they were, they were both out when I was watching them. But I always just watched Picard and identified with him a lot. But I think also it's a personality thing. I think in a lot of ways I can relate to Picard because I feel similar. I also like to think things out. And I find people who are really impulsive kind of annoying. So I do find Kirk a little annoying at times. I don't hate him, but he does. I think if I knew him in real life, I probably would hate him. (laughs) And if I knew Picard in real life, I'd probably think, oh, what a nice man. We should have tea sometime. So my vote is for Picard. I do think as a person, I like him more, but also as a captain, I do admire his skills and his strategy. I just like the way that he strategizes. I think it's pretty brilliant. Two to one for Picard. Our next vote, I think we know where this vote's going, but Ori, because you handed out it earlier. Ori, I think you're next, and I think you told me earlier that you've got a two-word phrase that summarizes Captain Kirk, and I don't know what that would be. May I? You may. All right, well, what defines Kirk? Kirk f- <laughs> But, um, and, that's, and that's basically it. I mean, uh, my, my vote is for Picard because it, it's probably just a function of the, of the time and of, you know, how the two series were written and developed that Kirk, I mean, back in the original series, they needed to establish what television sci-fi was going to be going forward they had the twilight zone and all of that beforehand but they were they were sort of breaking new ground and it had to be exciting and it had to be you know all of this stuff and that's why kirk kind of never really got the 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 character and uh development that uh that picard necessarily did and you know kirk is just he, he's a jock and i'm a nerd and that i'm i'm, I'm never gonna I'm never going to choose him over over my countrymen. The thing that um, the thing that I really love about Picard is that you see so much of him. Uh, not just him being a badass and getting stabbed through the heart, and not just him being a thoughtful leader and everything. But the thing that stands out to me, I think, the most when I think of um, you know who Picard really is, there is there are two episodes. Uh, one which is probably my favorite episode, which was uh, I. Oh, jeez, I forget what it was called. But it was the one where he, like, lives an entire life. The Inner Light. The Inner Light. Oh, what a beautiful piece of writing. And you see so much of of who he is in that. But, and that, that's just a side note to, to, to the main reference that I'm going to make, which is the episode Family, which was the one right after Best of Both Worlds, where Picard goes back to Earth uh, to basically hang out with his brother and recover and recuperate uh nothing special happens in that there's not a lot of sci-fi there isn't a lot of technology they spend most of the time in a vineyard talking about wine and you know squabbling uh, like like brothers do and towards the end of that episode picard just breaks and feels the trauma of everything he's just been through and it's such a such a tremendous piece of acting but such a meaningful moment for the character and i just don't think we ever hit those heights with kirk of of just of pure character so that's 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 mine i 
Picard just moved me. It makes sense to me. So we've got three Picard and one for Kirk, and I'm going to turn it to Ed. Well, this really won't come as much of a surprise after uh, everything. Uh, without Kirk, there would be no Picard. But that being said, Picard just speaks to me and to a lot of people in a different way than Kirk did. He He's much more thoughtful and, and uh, you know, I would say more compassionate, uh, you know, in a lot of instances. And uh, just a different kind of mindset uh, that, that makes it so much more, for me, you know, I, I'm not a jock either. You know, so the, the nerd mentality, as Ori was saying, you know, uh, that speaks to me more than just the jock would. And, uh, you know, we didn't really touch on this, I mean, not in-depth, but something to be said about the actual acting on selling a character itself. I'm not taking anything away from William Shatner, but it's freaking Patrick Stewart who brought Picard to life. It, it stands on a higher note just from an acting standpoint, and the writing was different, too. Uh, I just think that Picard was the better character, better leader, uh... Just better all-around person. Another vote for Picard. Will Jay give another to Picard, or will he give another to Kirk? All right, I'll make it quick. Jay's <laughs> going for Picard. Um, P- Picard is going to outwit Kirk, and there's a great example that we haven't even touched on yet, but Picard outwits Q over and over, whereas Kirk, when he meets his equivalent to Q, which would be Trelane, uh, he had to have his ass saved by Trelane's parents. that's very fair put them together picard's gonna win picard will figure out something is there a kirk maneuver in the starfleet space combats catalog no but there is a picard maneuver i think there the kirk maneuver is on tinder i was was gonna say the man i could have made the perfect segue if i was next on this man and, and we keep talking about, uh, you know, Kirk being the jock, but uh, Picard won the Academy Marathon freshman year. So let's, uh, you know, I, I think physically in their primes, he could probably take them hand to hand, just like he took the Klingons in the slums. Uh, Starship to Shar- Starship, it's no contest. Picard's going to win. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, JP, you are next. Sorry to steal your thunder, but what would you say? Uh, well, first, I, I was I was going to say that the, uh, the Kirk maneuver is actually in the Kama Sutra. Uh <laughs> but uh to, to be to be very quick um i i am going to say uh for two reasons number one who who i would rather have at the helm if i'm working as a crewman and the red lights and the siren come on and something real is about to happen who i would feel better sitting at sitting in the captain's chair in that situation definitely Captain Picard. But to expand on that further, uh, and to actually put myself and B and Q out there and try to give a more objective reason why I think Picard is the better is the better captain, is because of what what a non-Trekkie might think of when they hear the names Picard and Kirk. When you hear the, when you hear about Captain Picard, you think of the captain of the Enterprise. The, the guy that, that did all the cool stuff in the British accent, he, <laughs> he also became, didn't he like become cyborg or something? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And then when, when non-Trekkies think about Captain Kirk, the, 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 they always go back to the green women. And Khan. So, yeah, and Khan. <laughs> and and the, the, they talk about how bad of an actor William Shatner is, which but that's part of the magic of the original series, and I get that. But 
Yeah, I have to go with Picard. Uh, and now, finally, to the two original members of B&Q with me from episode one, I'll start with Colleen. So, um, I'm not a Trekkie or a Trekker by any way you could possibly measure it. Um, I have seen a few episodes of the of the original series, and I've seen more of the Next Generation because my dad watched it, so I watched that growing up. So, that's just, that's my background, uh, so you're aware. Although... When I was in college, on my entry machine, it was the Star Trek theme. Anyway, to, you know, boldly leave a message at the tone or whatever. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Never would have picked that one out from being on this uh, podcast. Um, So, (laughs) as somebody who's Star Trek confused, when I think of Picard, this is what I think. I think bald head, British accent, and stone cold badass. When I think of Kirk, I just, I roll my eyes and I go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. but at the same time, as far as Kirk goes, I do admire the fact that he is willing to take risks and to just push and to do what is necessary to, to accomplish X. I completely admire and respect that. And no matter how much he annoys the crap out of me. Um, with with uh, Picard, I feel that he's just, he's like the mountain that does not move. And I just, and I admire him for that. And if I'm going to pick uh, who I prefer, Kurt or Picard, I, I have to, 100%, I have to go with uh, Picard. Well, well played, well said. And uh, awesome answering machine, by the way. It was amazing. You can make it a clean sweep for all the panelists who are here in person if you choose Picard, or you can do what you typically do and do the contrarian move and choose Kirk. For uh, for this, I will admit, I, I am in a similar book to Colleen in that I am not a Trekkie. I, I did not watch Star Trek. I did not see Star Trek until I was a man. Uh, well, <laughs> So you haven't seen it yet. Oh, working on it. I can't see after all this shade. (laughs) Wow. I was wondering if anybody was going to take the bait on that one. I'm sorry, Matt. I just had to do that. It's too easy. Oh, oh, it it was there for the taking. That was the point. That that fruit was hanging so low that uh, I just couldn't bend down and pick it up. (laughs) But uh, the the way I had to approach this, because I have... when we started doing this podcast, I actually sat down and watched all of original series and Next Generation. Thank you, Netflix. Um, Holy crap! And I have to, and, and I went back to back. I was watching like three to four episodes a night, every night for months and months, and watching it that way. I think of it as which one of them better captures the spirit of what uh, what Gene Roddenberry was trying to accomplish with the show. And I felt from watching it that he was trying to accomplish a look at a utopian human future where the only conflict we have is with mm-hmm. other species. And even then, we try to resolve it in the most civilized manner possible. And when it comes down to that, really, I just think Picard is far more effective in accomplishing his mission. So I gotta I gotta give it to Pat Stu. Patrick Stewart, John Luke Picard with the clean sweep of the people in person. We at least we got a vote for Kirk from from Rick. And I will say if I would have been the deciding factor, I'm gonna vote for Picard as well because I always would prefer diplomacy over over just going in uh, full bore although i do like both characters 
I think it would have been a tougher fight for me if I had pitted Picard against Spock. Mm. And technically, Spock was the rank of captain by the time the movies hit. Mm. But that's another show. I think that would have just devolved into a game of three-dimensional chess where they just, like, wind up ending it with a a cup of hot tea and an agreement to part ways. I do not see that ending any way other than politely. I just wanted to say really quickly, especially for all of the the Kirk fans out there, that uh, right before the episode started, I looked up, uh, a survey by the 2010 Space Foundation. Uh, they uh, had a list, uh, based a survey for uh, who's your inspirational hero. And on that list, Kirk was number six, uh, and Picard was number 11. And I just want to point out that uh, Buzz Aldrin was number nine, uh, so right between the two. But I found it hilarious that uh, two fictional characters made it to the list of inspirational hero from the Space Foundation, whereas Buzz Aldrin is an actual real person who's actually been to space. And in that list, Kirk won. So Kirk lovers, you know, you, you have some solace. <laughs> and honestly, like I always say on this show, but especially for this episode, if you are a diehard Kirk fan, uh, first of all, my skin isn't green. So sorry about that. But if you are a diehard Kirk fan, please tell me why Kirk is better on Twitter at BNQ Podcast or email us uh, bnqfeedback at gmail.com because I really want to hear from you on this one and we will read it on the show. Before we get to the moment that ends all BNQs, since this is a milestone episode, we want to kind of reflect for just a very brief second on where we've been and where we're co- how far we've come. And thank you guys for what for listening. Uh, so I'm going to go around to the B&Q panel uh, real quick. Uh, and Ori and Jay, of course, thank you so much for coming on the show as special guests. You guys are awesome. Hey, thanks. And we are really privileged and honored that you... Hey, thank you. I'll, I'll say goodbye and head out. I'm going to take the wife out for a rare date night to see it tonight. So uh, you guys have a good night. Um, if you haven't already, find me on Twitter at jsanlinwriter, and uh, we can talk about some more who would win matchups. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jay, for coming, and thank you, Ori. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it was it, it was very thoughtful of you to invite me. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, wh- while course. we're at it, I realized that I didn't say this at the top of the show. Um, yes, please go to dragonfruitapp.com, and um, that's where you can actually find us and follow us on Twitter, Proj Dragonfruit, and... Uh, facebook and all those good things and uh yeah that we, we are always around to have big nerdy conversations awesome so i will go around the panel and uh in order of introductions to the show i'm going backwards so i'll start with sarah and work my way back to the original so sarah what do you want to tell our listeners? well i mean i really enjoy being on the show i'm gonna live in on a few but i hope to be on more in the future and i think it's a great show well said ed you came on the show uh about 10 episodes in and you've been a fixture ever since uh what do you want to say to our listening audience uh, i just want to say thank you to everybody that listens and josh i wanted to thank you for putting together this show and all the hard work you put in on your end you know the editing i i can't even imagine how much of our filler you have to cut out and i would like to thank all the other you know guest hosts that have been on and everybody that's part of this speaking of guest hosts the first ever host who took over for me on an episode two episodes in a row uh jp with your amazing episodes on the Terminator and on the Mount Rushmore of television, what would you like to tell our audience? Uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening to us. It's been a very fun uh, 50 episodes. 
even though I, I mean, I, I definitely wasn't on all 50 of them, but it's, I, I hope we get to 50, if not a hundred more. Um, what this show means to me, I, this has been one of my best ways of unwinding after a, a long work day or after a long work week, just getting down, just getting to sit here with my friends and talk about really fun topics. has just been amazing for me. So thank you, Josh, for, for putting all this together. And thank you listeners for keeping us going. And to my OG partners in crime, uh, I will give a behind-the-scenes look. B&Q was inspired by Colleen, Matt, and I used to all three work together. And we had discussions like this at work from time to time. The longest one being, would the Incredible Hulk be vulnerable to Superman if he was the Invincible version? Which lasted an hour and a half. (laughs) We had these conversations like twice a day. (laughs) We did. So it's like it was constant. Uh, so, uh, Colleen, what would you like to tell our uh, our audience? Uh, well, first, I'd just like to say, with great power, there must come great podcasting. And I feel that this it's been it's been a fun ride. And I want to thank all of our listeners, um, all on the internet, the entire world. Thanks for uh, being with us and and listening to our very strange rants. Uh, it's very interesting to think that our incredibly nerdy tangents have turned into this. Uh, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. And um, I know we'll continue to have more fun on the show. And uh, just as some final words, uh, I have to say it for the theme of the episode, five card stud, nothing wild, and the sky's the limit. Well done, Colleen. I very much appreciate that. And of course, Matt, uh, you are been a fixture on almost every episode with your sponsorships and your... Uh, gun gun murderings what would you like to tell the listening audience one very very quick thing about the uh, survey that colleen mentioned with uh kirk and picard and uh buzz aldrin if it came down to the three of them i think buzz aldrin would actually kick both of their asses (laughs) (laughs) Um, but to the topic at hand if you had told me 18 months ago that i'd be recording the 50th episode of a podcast in which I was the co-host. Uh, I, I, I would have laughed at you and then slapped you in the face and told you to wake up. But the, these inane and pointless conversations that, that we've had all this time at work, and then we decided we should just start recording this to see if people want to listen to it, <laughs> which is basically how it happened. It's it, It's been a lot of fun for us. It's probably been a lot of work for Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Especially any time certain <clears throat> Galactus clouds get brought up. <laughs> Go ahead and say it, Matt. Uh, Galactus is not a <laughs> cloud. <laughs> yeah, he was. I totally saw the movie. He was a cloud. Take a shot, listeners. That You were waiting for it. We now have listeners on six of the seven continents. So, uh, Looking listen- at you, McMurder Station. Yeah. Li- li- listeners out there. You know, if, if anybody has a boat and a dog sled and an MP3 player, download our episodes, get them onto Antarctica, get them down to the station, and just, like, take a little video of, of them listening to it so we can say we've been played on all seven continents. And I then, uh, actually, maybe just about pull that off. And Do what's it. next after that is going to be the ISS, everybody. 
Oh, yeah. Well, the reason that we have to do it this way, Pondbean does not actually have Antarctica listed as a place that it could be downloaded at. It would just be listed as other. Yeah. So the only way we would know we had Antarctica was exactly a video evidence of someone listening to us from Antarctica. So if you're listening at McMurdo, let us know because uh, we'd love to hear it. And I do want to say to the listeners, gosh darn it, there's a lot of listeners. We've had over 7,000 downloads through Podbean alone and oh, almost 40,000 downloads in total uh, of Big Nerdy Questions. So give yourselves a round of applause because that's amazing. We have been downloaded, of course, in the United States and Canada, but also in the UK, France, Spain, Germany, Netherlands, Ukraine, as well as, and this is awesome, Yemen, Oman, Iraq, Australia, uh, the Maldives, South Africa, and Ecuador. Nice. So we have truly gone global because being a nerd isn't being socially awkward anymore. It's being socially inclusive of all of us who love these things uh, because they truly are get us interested and get us excited. And we've formed an amazing community around uh, just asking these questions. And when you ask good questions and get good answers, you build a great community. So listeners, I cannot thank you enough from the bottom of my heart for making all the work that I do on this and all the work that my panelists do worth it. Uh, you're the reason that we're still podcasting at 50, that we still be able doing at 100. Uh, and it's just an amazing thing. In fact, next week uh, when we have Fabio Del Rio on, we're doing Mount Rushmore of games and we're going to have our first giveaway for our listeners. So Listen to that episode because you'll be wanting a... That's another first in B&Q that we've gotten to that point where we can do it. Uh, so it's just amazing that we've gotten this far. Yes. But there's still one thing we have to take care of. Uh, so, Matt, on this milestone episode, I hope you have a great method of dispatching with Jar Jar. Kill the Gungan! Well, Josh, tonight Jar Jar actually died in a surprisingly indirect way. Because, you see, the Federation determined that Jar Jar Binks was a clear and present danger to the continued existence of all species, not just humans and movie franchises. So, Picard and Kirk decided it was time to team up, and Picard took the Gungan aboard the Enterprise-D and soundly kicked his ass at a game of 3D chess, while Kirk seduced his girlfriend, <laughs> giving her... An STD fatal only to Gungan. <laughs> <laughs> Although I gotta give props to Jar Jar. There you go. I'm just in shock. Jar Jar has a girlfriend. <laughs> That's where I was thinking. And, and, and another another <laughs> subtlety about that is, is well, maybe that she's deaf. I was gonna say another subtlety there, uh, stating that that he was a clear and present danger to the existence of all life forms. That does officially prove that Jar Jar is Snoke. Oh, <laughs> episode eight spoilers. Beware. <laughs> <laughs> did that blow your mind? If it did blow your mind, come back and listen to us next week. For all of the amazing panelists, both here and not here, for Ori and for Jay, this is Josh officially signing off with episode 50. Live long and prosper. And kill